On this week's episode, we're really excited to have special guest Natasha Richardson with us. She is a medical herbalist and author, and she talks about periods basically and our menstrual cycle as women and what we go through and what we experience and this conversation really goes deep and beautifully into contraception talking to men about periods like pain relief and everything in between it's just a really really necessary conversation for us as women or anyone who bleeds and we also cover a little bit about how we're all feeling with coronavirus happening at the minute and anxiety and what kind of herbs we can use to help that so keep listening and enjoy welcome to free and figuring it out a weekly podcast hosted by two Brits, Sherelle Griffith and Verity Brown, on a mission to support, empower and reassure fellow independent millennial women that they can be self-sufficient, successful and seen. This week, we are delighted to be joined by special guest, Natasha Richardson. Natasha is a medical herbalist and the author of a book called Your Period Handbook. With over 10 years experience helping women with period problems, she now has a range of natural products and she helps women find natural solutions for stress-free menstruation. Welcome, Natasha. Hi. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good, yeah. Good, good. Thank you for coming on. Um obviously we we release these episodes at different times to we record them but just so the listeners know we're recording this on the 3rd of April and even though we've asked you to come on to discuss periods and your role as a herbalist and the connection between those things we thought it may be important due to the pandemic that we're currently in to just start a little bit with discussing that just how you as a herbalist are advising women who are coming to you who are maybe struggling in this situation whether that may be anxiety stress loneliness whatever that may be um and if you don't mind if we if you would just kind of talk us through a little bit of of general advice that you've been giving to women um with COVID-19 happening at the minute yeah sure no problem thank um, you the thing that I've like noticed most people talking about most is anxiety really that uncertainty that most of us are having um I think it's rare that people well it seems to be rare that people have been told that they're definitely going to get furlough pay and and so there's lots of questions about like what we're going to get paid during this time and it's really like one of those fundamental foundation questions that if you don't know can make you feel really off kilter um and so that's kind of what I'm helping people most with and as a byproduct of that extreme stress that people are under I've been talking a bit more about what kind of changes might be happening with their periods this month Mm. while they're while they're in quarantine um I'm expecting people to get um shorter cycles like I'm expecting everybody to have really unpredictable periods this yeah. month and really terrible PMS. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I think I've already experienced that. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> yeah. So I've been doing some free webinars about what we can do about anxiety and the kind of herbs we can use for that. I did one last week for you, Verity, and then I'm yeah. repeating it today because um, people requested it again. Yeah. And that just to side note, that webinar was absolutely amazing. It really helped me because I've not suffered from anxiety for years and years and years. And COVID-19 has kind of just, yeah, it's it's put me back at a place I was in my mid-20s with anxiety. Not as bad, but I have been struggling a bit. So when I listened to that, it just enabled me to reach out to something more natural that would help me through this time. So I highly recommend that you um, watch one of Natasha's webinars. And if they sign up to your mailing list, they can get it sent out to them if they've missed it. Is that right? Yeah, they can actually. Like, okay, great. Send me an email and ask me for a link to a right. recording potentially. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I highly, highly recommend that. Yeah. Could you share one tip, like, if just in case this ends up coming out, who knows, someone listens to it months or years away, just in terms <laughs> of so think about anxiety, what was yeah, just maybe yeah. one of the key things you mentioned? Um, so I talk about um, 
three different types of herbs um, and how they're relevant for different levels of stress. And probably the one that's going to definitely suit everybody is if everyone was taking nerve tonics. Um, and oat tops is my favorite nerve okay. tonic. It helps to like kind of like coat the body in like a metaphorical bubble wrap. Mm. So we're less like hyper vigilant about stressors. Wow, I love that. Perfect for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, full cord of Sherelle. And and where where do we get like how do you take those things and where do we get them from and. Well, at the moment, my main people that I usually recommend are, are down. But what, yeah. how, how did you get yours, Verity? So I went to, um, well, when we were on the webinar, some of the girls recommended some places because the, can you just say the name of the one you usually use? Yeah, I usually use Neil's Yard Remedies or yeah. Baldwin's. Okay, and they're both, they both stop sending orders out, yeah. haven't they? Yeah. So I used, it was Urban Fringe, which was mm. in Bristol. But someone also mentioned Indigo Herbs in Glastonbury and then yeah. there's a there's a place that you used to work in Natasha isn't there that yes you and mentioned? there's also little suppliers like Apotheca yeah. and Fabsham okay, okay. working and and so when I went on to buy the herbs it's it's some things are quite simple but other things are there's you can get the berries or you can get the tea or you can get the tincture or you can so with oat tops what what would you say is is the best form um if you can get tea it's quite it's nice as a tea um, okay and you would just use a teaspoon and cover it with hot water to let it infuse for five minutes before drinking it and you can also buy it as a tincture probably and that usually they give you instructions on the side but if they don't I would say take a meal three times a day okay great perfect right well all our listeners will now buy oat top thank you <laughs> yeah thank you <laughs> um brilliant so thank you for doing that I just think it's important that we're trying to be mindful of the time we're in um and like Cheryl said there is longevity with this podcast so if people listen to this in a few years um oat tops will help with general anxiety anyway um but yeah we're, we're just trying to um you know give listeners the advice they need right now because we know that people are maybe listening to podcasts more and in, in a, a need to help themselves through this time so yeah we really appreciate that so going back to our original plan of getting you on um so I just want to know a bit more about you about what you do about how you got into it a bit more you know about your story and your journey really yeah sure I actually um it's quite unusual for a, a herbalist to to study as young as I did. Um, it's usually something that people come to as like a second vocation after having had a career in something else completely. Um, but it was a, it was my first undergrad degree, and um, I discovered it because I did had a part time job at Neil's Yard Remedies while mm. I was on my gap year, <laughs> and uh, it just kind of sounded like being a herbalist was like everything I'd imagined being a witch in the woods would be like. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, you clearly are Verity's kindred spirit. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> and I was like, awesome, I can get a degree in that. <laughs> <laughs> in being a witch. I love yeah. that. <laughs> so that was like my main thing, reason why I did it. But while I was at uni, I got like this extreme power pain that I'd never experienced before. And it took me years to figure out what herbs helped me, what supplements helped me, what foods were not helping me, mm-hmm. um, and like what lifestyle kind of stuff was also helping or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a result of all of that, that journey of like literally years of discover, self-discovery, I kind of thought, well, I've discovered a few things here that I think other people could use. And I started to apply them in my practice. I, I worked with patients for over 10 years before before having the company that as I do now, um, where I have a couple of herbalists that take the patients for me and I concentrate on the products that we make. And um, the help that I got during that time was just like so important. And it seems like the information wasn't out there, but people were looking for it. And so I kind of have made it my mission, really, to make natural solutions readily available for people, um, because I really want 
there to be a change in the narrative of menstruation mm-hmm. away from it being a curse and like always painful and like I was just taught to expect pain so it took me years to even inquire mm-hmm. and question the pain that I was experiencing and the same thing happens with people who have suffered with endometriosis so like it takes on average seven years for a woman with endometriosis to get diagnosis and it's like partly because the first few years of that pain they're just like thinking oh well I'm a woman what what else do I expect yeah and then they're not taken seriously by the doctors a lot of the time as well because the doctors also have that same thought Mm -hmm. and um the products that I make and the the services that we offer is trying to really change that narrative so it's a positive one this idea that you could have a good period which is like crazy (laughs) (laughs) to people (laughs) well I think it's a great mission because um yeah I think as you said it's we all have it like every single woman that's listened to this podcast probably has a period unless they're super pre or post and it's something we don't talk about and it's something we're really passionate about podcast is trying to talk about some of the things that don't get spoken about and I think because people women don't talk about it enough like you said it's also really hard to kind of like uh, quantify pain so like you just think oh this is a normal amount of pain to have and you just um like deal with it and just think yeah it's part of being a woman when it really shouldn't have to be like stop your life every single month yeah yeah that's that is it exactly and I think like um I am currently doing a part-time master's in design history and in that I'm trying to find objects that really open up a discussion around the um that negative narrative with menstruation and figure out where it all comes from Mm. That's interesting. It reminds me, I don't know if you've heard of a book called Invisible Women. Um, Forgive me, I can't remember the author right now. But that's about the data bias. And it's really interesting about how just in design, you know, like things are, are for men you know and 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 women haven't been considered in it with things like that um and something that just came up to me then um so I didn't mention your company name at the start but it is Forage Botanicals and I highly recommend everyone has a look at that but it's interesting as you're talking that you're saying about you know the herbs being more accessible and things because I was just thinking you know you go into Boots and or any of the leading (laughs) pharmacist and um you know there's so many chemicals on the shelves that feel so normal feels so acceptable to buy and you don't question them Mm. and then for me and this is my personal you know I go into a herbalist or um you know even Holland and Barrett or a local or whatever and I'm intimidated because I haven't been raised with that knowledge of what those things are what they're for and it's quite sad like you know that we feel so much more comfortable with taking chemicals at the minute than we do herbs whereas herbs are so natural and pure and you know it's do do you find that do you find that women are trying to get off chemical painkillers or 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 medication and and to move on to herbs because they just yeah people are very even though um it's very normal uh to use uh painkillers there is a suspicion around using them regularly (laughs) Mm -hmm. like nobody's ever really been able to explain to me why they think that it's probably a problem to use it every month but they do I mean, I so it's a bit like I used to take. Is it cocodamol? Yeah, cocodamol. Yeah. yeah, and they but like they say like you should only take it like three days, and then you shouldn't take it more than that because it's like you can get quite addicted. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's I think I yeah yeah. So I think that made me think. Oh, okay. Well, clearly I should try not to have it every month. Like I should yeah. like I just try and save it for like special occasions. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I have come across people who are, feel very suspicious of taking paracetamol every month, even, mm. and that's not very addictive. Any, I feel like anything could be addictive at the end of the day, but mm. um, paracetamol is not really. And um, yeah, people just say things like, "Oh, you know, it just can't be good for you, can it?" I mean. I suppose it's just the logic of how much you're putting into your body. I think I have a theory, which is if you keep using some sort of painkiller, at some point your body gets used to it and it becomes less effective. So yeah. I, 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 that's from my perspective, I think. So I think if I was using 
whatever, whether it's paracetamol, ibuprofen, anything every month. I just think, is my body just going to get to the point where it's like, one, I can't function without it, and two, it becomes less effective. Yeah, for sure. I definitely yeah. think that was like part of my um, concern over painkillers, mm. definitely. My mind, like, concern over painkillers was just like, I thought, surely the pain is trying to tell me something, and if I'm not yeah. hearing it, then what am I missing? Mm-hmm. And I was like really concerned that if I just start to use painkillers all the time, then it could get worse and I wouldn't know. Yeah. 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 No, that that's, that's very true. And I think I was raised by a mum who doesn't believe in taking tablets at all. Mm. So I kind of, you know, I, it was seen as a negative to, to take anything. So I've had a very interesting journey with that. Um, and I think I think we all have different relationships with chemicals, but now I am where I'm at in life now. I just would much rather take if 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 I can manage the pain or whatever I'm going through with natural remedies, that that would be my go-to. And I think it, like you said, Natasha, I think it's maybe it's a thing of us listening to our bodies more and really listening to do we need a pain relief so that muscle or whatever can heal itself because mm. that's you know one of the purposes of them isn't it is so we relax so the muscle mm. or whatever is going on can can repair or is it just that habit is it that natural mm. go-to and it's a bit I know it sounds odd but since I've been taking this passion flower it's kind of felt obviously I'm sure we've all been drinking a bit more wine since COVID-19 which it no. for me isn't a, isn't a, isn't a good thing but it's happening and I'm just surrendering to it and I'm talking like a glass of night nothing more than that but with this passion flower I feel like I'd want to drink a bit more um and I don't because of this the the herb is kind of just giving me that element of calmness and so I it's it's really like understanding your own kind of story isn't it and and you know getting to know you and what works for you I suppose yeah and I found, um, I have found some really interesting um, healing has happened through my use of painkillers. I actually like got to a point where I, I don't remember why, but I got a stronger painkiller prescribed to me and uh, methanamic acid, I think. And um, it's quite commonly used in endometriosis, I believe, because um, my level of pain was like, like getting there but it wasn't long it didn't last very long it would only last for like a few hours which I actually found more annoying mm. I'd rather be in pain all day than just a few hours because it was like it meant that either side of the pain I would be totally fully functional mm. but if that happened in the middle of a shift at work or something then I had to go home mm. and it was really hard to like explain oh but I'm gonna be all fine by the time I get home <laughs> that just makes me sound like a liar <laughs> and, but, and then I found that this painkiller um I would take one and it would completely alleviate all my my pain completely and I'd never had that experience before I'd be prevented and do that for me um and what was really fascinating was that the period after that I didn't take it because I didn't get any pain and I think that a lot of my pain symptoms were, had become secondary anxiety. Mm. And I was constantly like, oh, how much is it going to hurt? Am I going to have to cancel my plans? Should I book anything in during that time? I don't even know exactly when it's going to happen. So therefore, should I book out three days of my time each month? And it was just such an anxious like thing in my brain for at least two weeks of the month. Yeah. Where I was like, when is it going to happen? Um, <laughs> and then... I took this and I was like oh okay so if I need to I can take something that's going to completely take away the pain and then I just didn't I've never had the pain that bad ever again wow that's so interesting yeah so I think like the power of placebo there was like really yeah strong. the mind-body connection is crazy as well isn't it like I I've got like some rashes on my hands at the minute and I know it's stress like, I'm not worried about what it is because I just know it's it's just me feeling a bit more stressed at this time. Um, and I just trust that my body is just trying to release some toxins somehow and and that's it. But it can be scary. It can be, you know, but this is why it's that connection. We need to listen to ourselves, don't we? 
And yeah. I think it's so important as well that you mentioned like what's going on in your mind. Like, I feel like no one really talks about that whole like when you're planning, you're thinking like that's what my life used to be like. I used to always be thinking, oh, when's it going to happen? What what am I meant to be doing then? Am I going to be able to get through that? And I think like, that's like the silent thing women never talk about as well. Is this idea mm. like all the like the background thinking, like you said, like for two of your weeks before it's even started. Mm. So it's not even about being actually on your period. It's like everything that happens leading up to it yeah and I feel like if those adverts have got anything like wise in them it's the concept that you should be able to have a relatively normal day yeah we shouldn't be planning like that and I feel like maybe girls if they were taught like if you are thinking for two weeks if you're a month (laughs) like what and when's my period gonna happen because it's such a fucking like event Mm. (laughs) then maybe you should consider that there are symptoms that you're experiencing that aren't that normal Mm. yeah that's that's interesting okay I think yeah we need to think about those things I I definitely will think about that and in your work you talk a lot about having a better period so can you just I think we've touched on quite a few points but can you just explain like what that means to you and how you know, how you work with women on that kind of subject. Yeah, so I have found that periods can be completely flipped on their heads um, experientially. Like I found that um, my periods were very anxious times for a long time and they were painful times for a long time. And then I discovered that actually if I go with the flow of it and I can have time out to myself and I'm not being bombarded by things I have to do um then they could be very peaceful actually and calm and I I don't know if if anybody else has experienced this but I find that often the flip side of pain is like sort of meditation Mm. sort of very yeah trance like kind Mm. of calm um and I wanted to try and teach people how to have peaceful periods and basically this concept of like having a peaceful period was so uh the opposite of what people have been taught to expect that me saying I want to teach you to have a peaceful period was too much for people to and I promoted my course I have like an online course that goes um for four weeks of content was originally called peaceful period and people were like do you mean like a peaceful period in your life like no I mean like your actual menstrual period (laughs) gosh and I just was like oh okay at best I think I can tell people that they can have a better period yeah yeah we're okay with that That's so, I mean, me and Shirelle are marketers, so from a language point of view, that's so, and I suppose that people see it as an oxymoron, that those are polar opposites and they can't be in the same sentence together. And Totally. So interesting. Although it was great alliteration. (laughs) (laughs) Shirelle loves alliteration. I love alliteration, so I'm really sorry (laughs) that the general public and women decided against peaceful periods because it works so well. okay so so it's all about having a better period which yeah I, and I think maybe we we just our minds are so warped that we can't ever imagine a period being peaceful that you know and, and maybe that's a, a term that can be used in a decade or 20 years or 30 years mm. time and women will own it and accept it and believe in it but I think right now you know I mean the conversations around menstrual cycles have only really started becoming as raw as they, as they have in the past I don't know five seven years I feel like uh, and mm. It was still, we've still got a long way to go with with kind of working with them and connecting with them and seeing it as an actual beautiful part of being a woman. Um, so, also, I think the yeah. thing about better periods is it means no matter where you are, you feel like there's progress. Because mm. I think one of the things about periods is you never sort of really know what your experiences is versus someone else, whether in, t- in terms of like pain, but also like what it is doing to your head, what it is psychologically doing, all the anxiety, all the other things around it. So I suppose a better period just feels like a very much a, we're going to start where you are and I'm yeah. going to improve your period like and your life. Yeah, it feels achievable and it feels individual as well. Yeah. Yeah. 
So one of the things that was really interesting that you mentioned earlier was this idea of like obviously women thinking about their period and the anxiety around it. And I've now been on the contraceptive pill, I don't know how many years, too many years. And one of the main reasons that now I like really like it is because I've got that control and I can sort mm. of plan when I come back off. So at least I can be like, right, these are the three days that I'm going to be null and void. I can plan that not for a weekend when I'm meant to be going out. Uh-uh. But I know I have a lot of conversations with other women that are on the, like any sort of conception and they say, you know, at some point they we have to come back off it. And whether that's because you're deciding to have a family, whether you decided this is too long to be putting whatever it is into my body. But there is a lot of fear around going back to being natural. And like, if you had really heavy periods, what happens? Um, just that sort of unpredictability. So I just wondered if you, obviously as a herbalist, I'm imagining you probably aren't like pro contraception anyway. So it'd be great about this conversation of how do we get back off it and still have like a good life? Yeah, so um, I find that people can be a bit too anti or contraceptives or any kind of hormonal contraceptives once they've figured out how to like chart their periods and uh, chart their cycles and know when they're ovulating um and using that as a natural contraceptive um I'm actually not against contraception okay what I'm really interested (laughs) in is um all the studying all the different uses outside of contraception that people use the contraceptive pill for Mm -hmm. um like when Mm -hmm. it's used to reduce period pain or when it's used to regulate um i used ever quotations (laughs) then uh regulate periods and um like acne as well acne yeah Yeah. and i think that my personal experience of using the contraceptive pill it was a rite of passage Mm -hmm. in place of not having one for actual menstruation um so that's what i'm kind of curious about when it comes to contraceptives but i've actually written um in my book a whole chapter on the history and development of a variety of natural non-hormonal contraceptive options because it's a question that comes up a lot people want to come off their contraceptives at some point Mm -hmm. um and what's going to happen when they do? Well, most most people with periods will start to menstruate again within three months. Okay. And it might be a little bit irregular to begin with, like maybe for up to six months or something. But it will come back to being regular quite quickly. Um, and when it takes a lot longer than that, I think it's like if it takes more than nine months, then go and see a doctor because it's so incredibly rare by that point that maybe something else is happening. So, okay. for instance people uh, with PCOS might be offered the contraceptive pill to regulate their periods um, but actually it just kind of like covers up a problem and when they come off the pill it's still there and often people are surprised by that Um, so I do think that the contraceptive pill probably I don't know. I want to I research it more, but I'm not convinced by these books that say that it's all terrible and they're covering up how bad thrombosis you might get and things like that. I don't know. But it's very, very hard to study. That's the key thing to know is that it's very difficult to look at how a pill is affecting somebody when they take it all the time and they don't have, we don't have um twin you to compare it with. Yeah. Mm. yeah it's like because sometimes I like I, I can't remember how many years I've been on it I want to say maybe seven something like that and I'm like when people ask me about it I'm like but I can't remember what I was like before <laughs> like you know yeah. now and I try and remember it like because it's just this is who I am now and people are like oh oh I've heard that one's really bad for like your mood swings or that one's really bad for this and whatever but I'm genuinely like it's been so long now this is who I am and it's really difficult to remember what I was like before <laughs> And it's so uh, holistic, like how they affect you. Yeah. So it's really hard to like know, is it because I'm taking that pill or is it because of something else? I mean, the reason why I ended up stopped taking contraceptive pills because I got stuck in like a cystitis thrush cycle where I, I started, I had taken a break from it anyways. And then I started taking it again. And I think it was like a combination of taking it again, but also with this like, suspicion in the back of my head that maybe I shouldn't be taking it <laughs> um I I started to get 
cystitis that would then be treated with antibiotics that turned into thrush and it would just go round and round like yeah. that yeah. Um, <laughs> and I was like oh this isn't fun and no. someone was like do you think maybe it's because you're taking the pill and this is when <laughs> I was like working in quite natural circles by then and people were very suspicious of all pills <laughs> and I was like oh I don't know probably and as soon as I stopped taking it it stopped happening that's interesting and again it's that psychological element as well isn't it that is kind of mm. maybe tied um something yeah, I mean, that's I, there's no doubt that the, the contraceptive pill does change the ph balance of your vagina and so it can lead to yeah. and cystitis as a result um but i think like for me it was like well, why did i take it for 10 years with no problem at all and mm. now i'm taking it exactly. for like a few months and it's a massive issue yeah it's it is really interesting i um and i've spoke to you before about this Natasha, but i like uh, we've had fine periods and then um they they weren't really heavy and painful on the first few days and so I've spoke to doctors about this and the thing is I'm <laughs> I'm in a relationship with a woman now so one of the benefits of that is that I don't have to take contraception and all the doctors are trying to get me to take the pill to lighten my periods and I'm like I'm a bit I get quite triggered by it in the you know I I I cannot have my own children now in the natural way because I'm with a woman. So why do what? Why would I put chemicals in my body just for the sake of a day or two a month? Um, and it, it's interesting from that angle, kind of you know, like I have no reason for a contraception pill in its natural in its kind of main purpose. And I think this is why I try and explore the alternatives, like you said, like if if the main reason you're taking a pill isn't to stop you from having a baby then it's maybe questioning are there other ways of managing those other symptoms that that you're having and the reason that you're taking it I don't know do you (laughs) I just want to say (laughs) sorry I just want to say that if you are listening because I am I take it now purely just for like I've not had sex in years so it's not for contraception reasons (laughs) at all it purely is for uh just regulatory control and pain so just if you are a woman listening thinking oh baby she's making it sound like I can't do it if it's not for sex you can do it just if you want to do it like that you can do it like that it's fine (laughs) no I know it's just my opinion but I'm just a bit like I I think it comes from a place of like I've had to go through this I've had to deal with accepting that I cannot have my own child Mm -hmm. um in a natural way which has been a really challenging thing for me to process and so I'm thinking at least one advantage of me being with a woman is that I don't have to take contraception and then I'm kind of getting it pushed on me a little bit and Mm. it's just frustrating so yeah do you have you had other women kind of come to you with similar things Natasha uh yeah yeah my brain is like having five million thoughts at once and I don't (laughs) know which one to choose um so um Yes, I have had women come to me with this kind of like struggle. My question is like for you, Verity, is like, do you think that it's a problem because it's been marketed to you as a contraceptive pill Mm. right from the start? Do you think that maybe if we had more of an ambiguous term for the contraceptive pill to begin with, where we were like, it's a period maker better, then you'd be on board? Yeah, I think I think there is definitely an element of that. And it and it and it's it's yeah, it it's coming from an emotional place as well, I think. Um definitely. Um and but yeah, I think the fact that it's called contraceptive and I don't need contraception, it it feels a bit backward coming forward, I suppose. But that's marketing and that's the thing because I get challenged, like people that know me when they're like what you're on the pill and I'm like yeah they're like you're not with anyone Sherelle and I'm like yeah I know but I'm just like it's still good for my period but even that's funny because I'm like the reason why I get challenged is because we call it a contraceptive pill yeah and mm. I don't need one so yeah. I think it is the thing that but being like actually as we said some people go on it for like heavy periods some people go on it for acne some people like it's a pill that actually does solve multiple problems it's just whoever did invented it was like well this is the best way to advertise it yeah so what the pill is actually doing is giving you control it's it's giving you the same amount of hormone the same hormone dose every day that you take it and when you don't take it 
the lack of hormones makes you bleed. It's not a period. You could take it back to back. It probably wouldn't be any different, really. Mm. Realistically speaking, all the studies, like, it seems to just be, yeah, it's fine. No different. Um, the same, I'm just going to say, like, the, the cautions that are there around it with thrombosis and things are still there whether you take them back to back or not mm-hmm. don't think that it necessarily is increasing the problem that much um but it's interesting that we use the pill outside of its original purpose and what that means i think that i was given it and saw it as a rite of passage because it was like well you're having periods well, we better get that under control then because mm-hmm. Is like this concept of a natural cycle just doesn't fit in the reality that I hate to use it, but the patriarchy has created. Mm-hmm. I think that as I'm like looking, researching it more, it looks like even the methods that we have within science, and this is very much in invisible women, mm-hmm. the methods that we have within science were created by men for men, and they're not very good at considering a unpredictable natural cycle. And so I think that our reaction a lot of the time to menstruation is like, well, you don't want to be doing that. So let's just give you a pill so you can have the same amount of hormones every day because that's like a man. Mm. Yeah, because men have, is it men have daily cycles, whereas women have monthly? Is that correct? I've read that somewhere. Yeah, so we both have daily cycles. Okay. um, Yeah, people say that also the testosterone levels in a man go through a daily cycle with the rise and fall of the sun. Mm. Presumably women also have that. (laughs) Yeah, of course we don't. like a... (laughs) (laughs) one of those things where people are desperately searching for a similar thing to be happening in the male body when it's not necessarily (laughs) yeah yeah and do you do you have any language or dialogue that you recommend to women when we're trying to talk to men about periods I, I currently have a male boss and if I have to I mean obviously it's different now but if I have to go into work on the first day of my period I mean I a few months ago I went in and I was literally on the floor crying because I was in so much pain mm. and I just felt I couldn't say to him and this is nothing against him I have not tried to have this conversation but I myself as a woman felt I couldn't say to him I am like bleeding so heavily right now. I'm in so much pain. I literally can't concentrate on my work and I just want to go home because I felt it was weak. I felt he wouldn't get it and all this. And and I feel ashamed for even saying this now as like a woman who feels like she knows herself and is 33 and, you know, owns her body, but it's still there. Like, do you have any advice for women who are struggling to explain what they're going through menstrual wise with male figures in their life I think um it is very hard and I feel embarrassed to talk about periods even though it's my business um and I just do it regardless sort of just to embrace the embarrassment sort of thing um I feel that men just need to know um and this is talking very vaguely about an entire gender but um people who don't have periods just want to know the facts they don't mm. want to know necessarily like this well they do want to know the subjective things about how it makes us feel and stuff but they have no idea about like the actual experience of bleeding so just to be able to say like that you don't feel well can be enough mm. <laughs> but if you want to give details you can but I think like really if you're with a respectful partner you should be able to just say like I don't I don't feel good and I don't want to be here and I'm gonna go home and that shouldn't make them respect you any less yeah yeah you shouldn't even have to explain why anything is happening if you don't want to but then if you just accept it (laughs) but I'm just like if you if you're someone who like Verity it says like you know your first day could be absolutely like I just can't work and you sort of want to be honest rather than 
being like feeling a little bit deceitful just to be like I'm not coming in today or like I can't work oh yeah yeah and I think that's especially for women I think that have a really like painful or heavy like day one or two for example so it's it's like if you have a regular cycle then it's basically someone's going to be in the office like oh oh well she's off again do you know what I mean like I feel like women feel that sort of pressure yeah I find that really hard because when I all of this it's really hard for me to advise because all of my working at life has been among herbalists yeah all of my um and a lot of my working life has been uh, alone at home Mm like exactly what everyone is experiencing in quarantine this is the dream because this week i've been on my period and i've been like if i only got to work like this all day but all i had to do was <laughs> oh go God. downstairs and then work i would have no issue like not having yes. to get on the tube when i'm in pain not yeah. having to sit in a stupid meeting and then just being like this is me oh my like honestly it's just been so much better and i was like can you imagine how many women are like if you let me work from home when i was on my period my life would be so much better yeah yes so i think it's not women's bodies that are wrong. It's the whole freaking world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I completely agree. I completely agree. If the world was just like living in a flexible working scenario all the time, which frankly is what every every parent needs mm. um, and every person with a period needs, then this wouldn't even be a problem. Mm. Like your experience of, of having a period would be so much better believe me yeah yeah it's true you've you've just kind of yeah summed it all up there I think and I, I think a lot of women are probably listening to this thinking yeah I completely feel that and I know my period is less painful when I'm working from home on that day or not working that day than when I'm in yeah. work and I think it is just like you've I think the more we've spoke about this that psychological element like I put so much pressure on myself to show up and be the experienced marketer that I am in a male-dominated world and like you know boom 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 like alpha type and in my body is like I need you to stop and rest Mm. and surrender and I need to bleed and do this natural process and I'm kind of I'm resisting that because of my profession and I think you know it's so interesting in a way I'm kind of causing myself extra pain because I'm trying to be something on that day that my body just doesn't doesn't want it doesn't want to hold that space on that particular day and I think that's really interesting and I think that that comes back to as far as I can tell so far it seems to go back to the industrial revolution where we were all suddenly expected to work like a machine does every day Mm. all day and it was supposed to be that people felt the same every day all day Mm. and their productivity was the same every day all day and um I think that it's really is still present in our working life now, this attitude that, well, you come to work and it's the same every day. Men seem to think that they're the same every day. I think that that is just a misnomer anyways. Mm -hmm. And women know that they're not the same every Mm -hmm. day. And then that creates this real like tension of like, I'm not the same every day, but everybody thinks I should be the same every day. So what the hell am I gonna do? I'll take the contraceptive pill because that'll make me the same every day. Yeah. Well, yeah. It doesn't, but the thing is, if you don't do it back to back, it still doesn't make me the same every day. It's true. <laughs> it yeah. just, it just, because I still, like, I still do get period pains. It's just they're nowhere near as bad. And it just means I can choose when I have them. But yeah. it's like, I, but I do totally understand what you mean in terms of we've just made this sort of system to try and, like, yeah, be the same and be regular. And it's, it's not the way it is. And it is really hard, I think, if you're a woman. But I think, particularly in work, I think there's a real struggle about this idea of, turning up and like competing in a man's world when that's definitely not what our body wants anyone to do yeah Yeah. I would definitely if I ever have a business that has staff I don't think we would even have to have a policy on this but basically people would be able to have time off for their periods every month I've said this when I have there's a country that does it there is a country where you can they have period days and you don't you literally just can just say I I I want to say it's a Nordic country I feel like it's Finland I don't know why I'm saying that oh (laughs) We'll put it in the show notes. This is this is our caveat. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. We we do this like a lot. We're like, what's that name? What's that book called? Who's that author? We'll put it in the show notes. It's fine. It's fine. Um, I would like um, to ask one more question. 
which is around PMS. And I just wondered if you had any, from a herbalist perspective, if you have any herbs that are, that are good to deal with PMS. So the way that I talk about PMS is I talk about it like it's a magnifying glass for life. So okay. it's a natural part of your cycle. Um, and it makes all the world seem more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good things are more, but generally mm. speaking, you pick <laughs> up on the irritating things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> so um, usually what needs to happen during the premenstrual phase is it's like, uh, if you imagine you're like suddenly a detective, you can find everything that's wrong in your life really easily. And it's not necessarily um, that these problems have just come out of nowhere and they don't really exist because you're just mad with PMS. (laughs) Um, It's that they are really bothering you on a daily basis, but yeah, usually much smaller. And so it's up to you whether you want to, at a later date when you're not PMSing anymore, raise that again. And I would recommend sitting on things that come up journaling journaling (laughs) journaling pms thoughts and sitting on them and waiting for when you're like in your coming towards the end of your period okay um that's when your like communicative skills get much better and um those problems from a few weeks ago may seem like nothing but you might actually start to be able to recognize that oh yeah 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 this is something that does bother me every day it's just it's usually really little um and you can talk about it talk it through and by the time you come to your next premenstrual phase hopefully it's not a problem anymore so usually i i talk about pms in terms of processing emotions more productively but if you're really um extremely severely pmsing it's usually because there's something underlying to begin with so uh extreme stress that's been going on for a long time and you would use adaptogens and relaxants for that um you can have depression that's been going on for a long time and that gets much worse during the premenstrual phase for which you'd need your antidepressants to help you through that time um so it really depends on the individual and their experience what herbs they would take for pms Mm. because at the end of the day it's not a hormonal problem yeah Mm. thank you that's good to know anyway and so we mentioned that you've written a book and so if there's women out there before we go into our guest questions that we have um I just wondered if you could tell the women like what kind of areas you cover in your book it's called your period handbook is that correct yeah it is. yeah and what kind of does it I know you've mentioned a few things but but what kind of areas does it cover um it looks at what actually causes the menstrual cycle and it gives you an understanding of what each of your hormones do outside of the menstrual cycle um and it gives equal weight to your ovulation as your menstruation and it teaches you um what kind of symptoms you shouldn't stand for when it comes to your Mm -hmm. period what kind of things you should be seeking to make better um and how to do that amazing sounds great and that's available on your website orange botanicals isn't it yeah it's yeah. actually on Amazon as well, but don't Ooh. go to Amazon because then I only get a pound. Exactly. <laughs> go to Farish Botanicals. <laughs> Is that true? Oh my God. That, oh, blooming Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's go into our quick fire-ish uh guest questions <laughs> so the first one is and we've just released a podcast uh today about um the word free but what is your definition of the word free what does it mean to you so um free as i've been realizing more and more in quarantine um <laughs> is being able to make choices mm. um that's what it's come down to and the choices can be really small they can be really big but if I can't make any choices then I feel the opposite of free <laughs> oh yes yeah, completely agree. <laughs> um, and what is your favorite thing to do on your own um that just makes me want to say masturbate I love it I love it <laughs> it's not even that's what I always think of my mind goes. <laughs> the, the pair of you <laughs> 
brilliant that'll do um what's the best piece of advice for millennial women that you can give i know you've given a lot of amazing advice so what but time period are millennials born in again so millennials get- yeah so they're kind of like mid-20s to mid-30s ish but there's it, there's different definitions depending on what you look at but oh, yeah right. um I just I like just like I want people to be curious and question things still mm. and I think um I think they're very good at that actually millennials um but maybe just like take it to the next level okay <laughs> um I think that even fundamental forms of science um need to be questioned still and invisible women is a really great Mm. book to read for understanding why you would do that and uh, a book by ben goldacre called bad science is another another book that will teach you how to question science thanks for those recommendations i love a good book recommendation Mm. and on top of books is there any other resource that you're always recommending to people it could be a podcast, could be a, uh, I don't know. Documentary. Documentary. Anything. Yeah, I saw this question. I'm like, oh, no. What do I always recommend to people? I always recommend people to, to, to journal and get organised, really. But um, That's all right. Journaling's a great uh, thing to do, and we properly yeah. support it. I'm, I find that I really suffer with anxiety for a long time, and the thing that helps me cope with anxiety is being organized um and so that's where journaling kind of comes in for me for me journaling isn't necessarily writing down how I was feeling every day it's about like writing down what I'm going to do each day and why and sorting through my priorities all the time that's my biggest like calm thing to do that's great and now you're speaking to Sherelle's kindred spirit with (laughs) with the organizing part (laughs) so our last question for you is what are you still trying to figure out I'm trying to figure out where the story of menstruation as a curse comes from. Where, when did that start happening? And why do we still think that now, even though we have all this different mm. information? Mm. Yeah. Well, when you find the answer out, you can definitely come back on. Yeah, <laughs> share it. <laughs> I think lots of people would love to know. I think it would be, be so interesting to find out where the stories all come from because it's shaped all our lives. Yeah, cool. So thank you so much, Natasha. Before we let you go, can you let people know where we can find you on the internet? You can find me at foragebotanicals.co.uk or foragebotanicals on Instagram, etc. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Well, thank you so much. Uh, this has been a really, really interesting episode, I think, for both of us. And I think me and Sherelle have come from very different angles as well and had different experiences. So hopefully the yeah, women nice. listening can... Yeah, we're, the, the, this is the the blessing and curse of me and Sherelle. We're very opposite in every single really, way. Really <laughs> so, um, yeah, but thank you, Natasha, for your time and energy today. Um, we really appreciate it. And, um, yeah, we'll, uh, I'm sure that lots of our listeners will come and find you and, uh, and join you on your journey of menstruation. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Free and Figuring It Out. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss the next instalment. And if you want to be a superstar, please leave us a review. Or you can get in touch with us. Drop us an email at freeandfiguringitout at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time.